Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamplett from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Collision, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Hamlet to review AEW Collision, a show that is rapidly becoming the best show of the week. Yeah, I watch this every week, uh, and I'm envious, basically, that ultimately, if I'm going to want to prattle on about it, I've got to do so... Like not for my wage. I've got to do it in between of the like the things I've got to do to earn my wage here. Because all I want to do is discuss it with you guys in the office. Like I'm so envious that you've not only got like got the privilege of getting to review this, but the scale of trade up from rampage to collision. <laughs> maybe that shouldn't be envious. Maybe it should be like a kind of respectful nod. Yeah, yeah, maybe you've done the hard yards. Your sort of vegetable. Um, what is it? Like, you've yeah, eaten your vegetables. And then you can have your steak. Yeah, like, maybe that's sort of where you're at at this point, but it's just steak after steak after <laughs> steak after steak. I have recently been watching you two eating steak dinners every week, peering through the glass of the nicest restaurant in town as you two dive into the steak. <laughs> and I'm just so glad that this week I was invited in. Because, Jesus Christ, this is the best show of the week. We like to say it um, flippantly and seriously about NXT mm-hmm. um, every now and then. If you're in such a mood, you'll say it about SmackDown just to wind Sidge up. Yeah. This is the best show of the week. This is the best wrestling show of the week. I can't... I don't know. Sidge used to say about Dynamite when it was really firing. AEW specifically when it was really firing. What hasn't AEW provided you as a wrestling fan? Depending, mm-hmm. like With the exception of British rounds, what weird wrestling kink hasn't been catered to yeah. by the vast array of different genres that AEW has displayed? I feel like Collision is the two-hour wrestling show mm. equivalent of that. The in-ring standard is high. The promo standard is high. The booking standard is out the ass yeah. right now. I'm feeling like sort of on Dynamite, which I'm not terribly enjoying week to week <laughs> at the moment. I find myself at least once, because it's still a high bar, being able to say, this is what we talk about when we talk about PKW. 
Yes. This is, but it's like an isolated segment. MJF and Adam Cole, for example, mm. or just that one thing that you really like, or one little detail is just, yes, when the company fires, it does that. Mm. Collision is the show that makes it seem like the whole company does. Like, Collision is the show that, if this is indeed a soft brand split, is reminding you that one brand still can, even while mm. the other sometimes flounders a little bit. I just find it so rewarding. I love, I love all, I love, like, you know, the um, end of Ghostbusters 2 where the mood slime's got Janosch Pohart so cheered up. It's kind of like implied that, like, it's sort of a hallucinogenic effect, yeah. like, a, like a very nice version of, like, rave drugs. In the late, like, <laughs> so, late 80s, early yeah. 90s. I love you. I love you. I love you too. And everybody's just hugging and it's just like almost eyes in the back of your head, big grin, big yeah. smile. That's just what I feel watching this. <laughs> I just love everyone and everything. If this is a demonstration of the soft brand slit, then Collision's got me rock hard like <laughs> Juice Robinson. <laughs> it's it just, it's like, yeah, because I'm, oh God, this is lovely. And I'm also rock hard. It's, a, it's every positive emotion yeah. balled into one. And that one is a fist. And it's like as exciting as the SmackDown fist <laughs> punching through the glass, but it's for Collision <laughs> instead of WWE. It's brilliant. First day of Sidious Holiday, he's gone. So and so if I can just sense it. <laughs> Mentioned the SmackDown They're fist. Talking about the Smackdown fist. Yeah. Anyway, we should get into describing this show because no one watched it. Um, <laughs> oh God, they do feel a bit bad. Like, it, was, it was like head to head basically with SummerSlam, wasn't it? Oh, Which it isn't was. really yeah. a contest. That's screw them. From it's a fast nationals, from what I've seen, it uh, doesn't make great viewing. Well, but then I never know if you're meant to believe them or not. I don't understand them, and I don't really pay any attention to it. Well, nothing about the SummerSlam main event would ever be accused of being fast. <laughs> so I, I'll be, I'll concern myself more with Collision's ratings over the next six months than over the last few days. Yeah, check out our SummerSlam review from earlier on today. But yeah, I love the uh, opening bit where it's the people who are prominently featuring yeah. on the show. Not everyone, of course, but, you know, the likes of CM Punk, who says, I'm going to separate the contenders from the pretenders. Uh, Starks is saying that everyone's going to be leaving Greenville, chanting his name. Prince Nana just buries FTR. <laughs> and FTR basically say, my mum's in the crowd, I'm going to win. Top the, guys, out. The best fat slob team in wrestling, at which point Big Bill and Big Bry are both having to suppress their pops and their faces just like elongate with the smirk wow. they haven't urged to hide. Brian Cage in his full stinger regalia, even for the promo, let alone the match. Way. Way, but so glad he did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the chaos of the Big Bill... Brian Cage outfit was almost perfectly summed up by Brian Cage deciding it's a sting night tonight. <laughs> Just is. So that was the first thing we got straight out of the gate. It was FTR defending the world tag team titles against Big Bill and Brian Cage. A uh, lovely moment for Cash Wheeler giving his mum a nice mm. cuddle before the uh, action. Although that wasn't the last time she'd feature in this. No. Uh, Cage just m- nails uh, Cash with a shoulder block. Uh, Big Bill comes in. Body slam to Wheeler, elbow drop for a nearfall. He's having a great time, and he was throughout this match with <laughs> Big Bill. Uh, Harwood gets tagged in, and they try and fight him off and get Big Bill up for the shot machine. That's not happening, though. So instead, Big Bill choke slams Wheeler on top of Harwood, then press slams Wheeler outside onto Harwood out there to take us to a break. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's just, you can't. Shatter Machine Big Bill is such a great device for this match. Like, well, we'll hit him with a finisher. He's massive. Try something else. I haven't got anything Try else. someone else. Try someone else later on. What a fabulous little, um, I don't even want to call it a detail, 
but because it's almost like, well, there's nothing detailed about it. He's massive. Yeah. He's absolutely huge. So uh, we come back from the break, and uh, Big Bill, like I say, living his best life, beating up Cash Wheeler right in front of his mom. Yeah, great stuff. Gets a slap for his troubles. <laughs> uh, Cage hits, in, uh, hits his apron superplex to Wheeler for a great near fall. Dax Howard has to break that up. Uh, Wheeler gets out of a torture rack from uh, Big Bill and tries to, I think he tried to small package him at one point, and mm-hmm. Big Bill just decided halfway through, which can stop moving. Yeah. <laughs> which we would. Yeah. Eventually got him down, um, but Big Bill kicked out and Larry at his fucking head off. Magic. Dax Harwell comes in. He runs wild. He knocks Bill out of the ring, hits Cage with some lariats, uh, and he brings in Wheeler again to uh, to hit the Steiner Brothers Doomsday Bulldog for a near fall. They set up for the spike tra- pile driver, but Cage just gets them both. And hits that fall away slam Samoan drop combo. Cage and Bill hit their finish, mm-hmm. uh, but Wheeler manages to just kick out at two. Big Bill gets sent out to the floor. Cage hits like a tope over the top rope. <laughs> Bill hits big boot on Wheeler for a near fall. Cage set up for the F5, but Wheeler sends him into Bill, who's on the apron. That knocks Bill down. FTR hit Cage with the shot machine. One, two, three. Post match. Dax Harwood gets on the mic, runs down the incredible things that FTR has done throughout their careers, in particular in AEW and the amazing stuff they've managed to achieve. But there's one thing they still wanted to tick off their bucket list, and they challenged the Young Bucks to a match all in at Wembley Stadium. The rubber match. The gauntlet has been laid down. Oh, my God. Um, God. We'll do that bit second, I suppose, just on the match. Just a really, really wonderful bit of business. I welcome, um, well, frankly, I welcome FTR beating the Young Bucks at All In, but if only because um, I want this formula of team, gets over, wins, big match that puts them into title contention, has tag match with FTR. Yeah. Because it's a formula that's working really bloody well at the moment. Um, This was an entirely different match, as you would have expected, to the two that they had with the Bing Bing Ging. Um, All about... The difference in size, all about FTR having to overcome and indeed, well, climb the mountain in this case. And a couple of things. The Steiner Bulldog, as the FTR going into the Rolodex of tag moves, was so inspired because, I don't know if you're aware, but they're massive. (laughs) Big Bill and Brian Cage are huge. And it's like, well, we're not exactly going to powerplex them, are we? So he's really tall. If we get to the top rope, we're taller. So let's do that move. Little things like how to, like, FTR chopping down the tree as baby faces rather than, like, they don't chop down trees as heels. They just they just cynically cut them down. Yes. When the heels, like, they look upon a rainforest and think, let's cut down some trees and damage the environment. When the baby faces, like, we need to uh, cut down that tree right now to save the cat at the top of it. Like, so it's just <laughs> the same thing being done, but with a very different motivation. Yeah. And you just watch the guile and the guts of it all. And it's just so impressive how they're able to just pivot between the two while doing the same mm-hmm. thing. Uh, Big Bill and Brian Cage let them team forever. Like, I love that maybe Brian Cage, my logic was Brian Cage wore his Sting stuff because it was like, ah, oh, Big Bill, you wear your, your trousers, you wear your jeans. So I'll wear my long tights and then we look more like a team. And then he's looked down and been like, oh, they're Sting tights. I'll just put my Sting face paint on. <laughs> and then Big Bill's gone like, oh, well, you got some orange neon on your face. I'll put a neon wristband on. So we're a bit like that way. Sort of, yeah. Whereas Brian Cage could have just worn jeans. 
That would have been the answer. Just wear your jeans. You get the same effect. They can fit in jeans. They both. I've seen him once in jeans, and he looks the biggest he looks. <laughs> like big, they're both like a couple of nineteen ninety nine British bulldogs. Let's yeah. have it. Like let's jeans bulldogs together. The brawlick buddy bulldogs. Yeah. The BBBs. Uh, that's two then in AW, and yeah, they can win AW's title and share it and tear it in half like <laughs> uh, Lay Cool. Uh, just great. Loved it, and I want the more of that formula, which is why I want FTR to beat the Bucks. And on FTR versus the Bucks, oh my god! Finally, I'm excited about all in. There were two things on this show that because this is what Collision does apparently is answers my problems with Dynamite. <laughs> I was pretty vocal about my personal annoyance with the lack of a card. Mm-hmm. Not because I think it differs greatly from how AEW books its pay-per-views, but because I didn't see things in the offing. I didn't feel like mm. it wasn't just that there wasn't a card. It was that I didn't feel like matches were even being teased. I, I, yeah. I gave them Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. Yeah. as something that feels like it's going to get added. Or apparently Best Friends versus BCC instead. But either way. Excuse that, you? And uh, I've seen that written down. I don't know. Singles match, please. But anyway, that's when's Jeff Jarrett Grado getting announced? Indeed, right. But there's the point. I'm I sort of go both ways on Jeff Jarrett Grado, but at least a program has been presented to you that could theoretically appear on the show. Mm. That was what I felt like was lacking as much as the card. Yeah. FTR Books is a never-ending program because it's just this like legacy series in AEW, yeah. and all you need to do, as we have seen, because we've been there in person for this happening, all you need to do is announce the match, and you go, "Yes, please, I want that match," yeah. and. This getting announced, well, assuming that the books respond and say yes, this getting announced for All In immediately made it feel like, ah, finally a destination where 80,000 people need to be in attendance for Mm. this monster match, one of the biggest things that AEW can promote, and a second one was coming later on the show, and just by the end of Collision, I couldn't have felt happier all Mm. of a sudden with All In, even though all it's really done is add, well, yeah, it's added two more rematches. Yeah. like It's a card now with three rematches on. And I cannot wait to see all three of them. <laughs> Tony Schiavone's backstage with, uh, well, a member of the Bing Bing Ging in Juice Robinson mm-hmm. and a cardboard cut out of Jay White. He's screaming, when you're hot, Schiavone, you're hot. <laughs> and then s- suddenly the uh, Jay White cutout gets knocked out of frame or knocked down at least. Juice Robinson sells it like he's, his brother's just been shot <laughs> or something. Uh, but actually, it's the real Jay White who's here saying he's going to take care of Metalik tonight. Uh, and he reintroduces the guns who are going to be doing commentary. And they do their best commentary impressions slash Tony Schiavone. It's Sting! <laughs> They're brilliant bellends, aren't they? Yeah, this was a tremendous segment. The Bing Bing Ging have uh, just really found themselves. It occurred to me in this, with the cardboard Jay White, that you could have something called the Jay White board. Oh. where he lays out a bit like everyone's making lists these days for who they want to face and that, like where he just lists all of his friends. Give me a pin. <laughs> Give me a pin. And he just scribbles on his whiteboard his big list of the wrestlers he wants to fight over his year or whatever in AEW. The J whiteboard. Great. I thought then for a second you were just going to say you're going to get a cardboard cut out of me for the next month. Oh, I, don't, I haven't, like, just occasionally have this noise come out. <laughs> like the, no, one, no one will even notice I'm gone. Those little uh, things you used to get in shops with, like the cassette that would loop on yeah. there, just sellotape to the back. We'll just do that with the soundboard nozzles and see if anybody notices. I did feel a lot of uh, personal connection to when Jay White said, when when we're having fun, no one else is. <laughs> I can relate to that. I couldn't possibly know what you're talking about. Uh, another title match came next. Chris Statlander defending the TBS title against Mercedes Martinez. Um Jump start on this. Statlander gets the early advantage with a shotgun drop kick. Um, Martinez comes that back there with elbows. A tree slam gets a near fall. 
Um, she beats Statlander up in the corner to take us to break. When we come back, Statlander's going up top, but Martinez cuts her off and hits a spider suplex followed by a running knee for a nice near fall. Um, Statlander counters a fisherman's buster with a roll-up, then hits Saturday Night Fever for a two-count as well. And then Martinez counters a wheelbarrow face buster by uh, getting a sit-down near fall. Martinez goes for running forearm. Statlander ducks it, though, and rolls up Martinez for the win. Um, which kind of didn't mean anything because immediately Martinez jumps Statlander. Diamante comes out to make the save. Um, I can't remember the last time we saw her on AEW television, but uh, decides, actually, no, I'm going to kick the crap out of Statlander as well. Um, And Willow Nightingale has to run down and save Chris Statlander. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the booking. Um, I love the match, and that's kind of why I didn't like the post-match. This was... Mercedes Martinez, I like a lot, but I think it's fair to say... Like her record's been middling in mm-hmm. AEW. It's she's not the um like the guarantee of a great match like she maybe used to be. And I guess sometimes that's to do with opponents. I guess just you're gonna have different chemistry. A lot of the time it's to do with the booking, because I don't necessarily think that the character is that well preserved. I just think she's every now and then like introduced as the threat of the week. And yeah. it's sometimes quite hard to use that little and fairly like wafer thin motivation to become this believable dominant well, potential champion. Yeah. But I thought this match did a great job of establishing that. Mercedes Martinez, because of her experience, was never not on the level of an informed Chris Statlander. And this match presented them as equals to such an extent that when Statlander got the win, albeit crafty, not yeah. cheating, not sly, just crafty and using her in-ring experience and it was presented as such, this was... Ah, she's like, she kind of leveling up as a champion. Mm. She doesn't just beat people with the finishes. She doesn't just win squashes. She gets it done. And I do, I've always said this, like, I love watching defending babyface champions just defend the titles. Loved it about FTR in the opener. Loved it here. As a result, I was kind of less keen on the tag match because the tag match is like the, this is backwards. This is like the diluted version of the match we've just had. Now, I'm sure they're going to try and use it to get to a rubber match. I'm sure they're going to use it to maybe try and get to, uh, Mercedes Martinez, Statlander one more time. Yeah. I imagine Statlander will beat Diamante en route to the Mercedes Martinez match. So you're creating stuff. And of course, where Willow factors in, I guess we'll see going down the line as well. I just, this felt like this might, what we might have been witnessing was the peak of it all. And yet it just sort of carries on and carries yeah. on. After last week, this was sort of a missed opportunity as well. Cause maybe in light of the, very, very relevant and poignant discourse around the booking of women's wrestling uh-huh. writ large across North America, but particularly some of the other stuff that was focused on AEW's women's division. Maybe like try and find a story instead. There was some excellent character development coming, well, next. Yeah, Tony Storm's distraught backstage, basically. A bit of more of that spread out across the other characters. What do you make of her crisis of confidence? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I don't know if this was the influence, but I was getting a lot of, um, is it whatever happened to Baby Jane? Like the, um, have I got that title right? It's like the um, old TV character that is kind of like she's lost her way and is locked away at home. It's like a, I think a 50s or a 60s glam horror sort of thing. And I took that kind of character motivation. She had like the curlers in her hair, didn't she? And like, I don't think this was that, but she looked as if she was in almost like in a robe and as if she'd, we've done this bit before about a character that you could easily believe has actually walked from the building where they suffered the defeat to this building here. Yeah. And that life's kind of fallen apart since this crisis of confidence. I loved it. I don't know if this is 
Did it feel to you at all aesthetically like she was maybe pulling away from the outcasts a little bit? It was strange, yeah, that it wasn't even addressed that. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to be a factor or it's just something that was, you're going to see this crisis of confidence and the outcasts are going to try and talk her back to find herself. But honestly, like, this is the best thing you can do with a champion that's just lost the title. Give them immediate direction back towards either trying to get the belt back or offering something new. Mm. I am already interested in what Tony Storm's doing next and she lost the title less than a week ago. So I was pleased to see this. Whatever happened to the likely lads? Oh, absolutely goaded. BBC sitcom. Ooh, what happened to you? Whatever happened to me? What became of the people we used to be? Oh, God, the past was better. <laughs> Things were just better. Whatever happened to the likely lads was a colour 70s sitcom mm -hmm. version of a black and white 60s sitcom, which was really quite goaded, actually, in which two friends, Terry and Bob, it was like a five or ten year break between the comedy, The Likely Lads, when they were young'uns yeah. about town, and whatever happened to The Likely Lads, when they were kind of old men that had, one of them had settled down, one of them I think had fought in a war maybe or something, but they'd basically gone in very different paths and they were suddenly oh, yeah. brought back together. And I would argue that whatever happened to was actually better than the original Likely Lads. And you'll never guess where it's set. The northeast of England. Newcastle upon Tyne. Yeah, the like, greatest part of this great nation. I, uh, like, they could do whatever happened to Friends. I'd watch it. Like, <laughs> unseen characters, I'm just on the Wikipedia. Nigel Little Hutch Hutchinson, a, a sex mad pal who always has a racing tip for Terry. <laughs> <laughs> no, the past wasn't always better, I suppose. <laughs> that was good. Most famous episode of that people always talk about, isn't it, is them trying to avoid, avoid the score. Yes. They, uh, the past was better, so they had to wait until the extended highlights were going to be on later that day. So they're just moving from... So seven, season one. No hiding place. There's a great long form film of whatever happens to the lighthouse as well. Proper good. Really like earnestly very, very good. Rodney Buse. Um, from long form films to incredibly short matches. <laughs> Samojo beats a Pentaco in like a second. Yeah. Uh, with the Coquina clutch. And Riccoboni quite rightly said, I think that might be a record. <laughs> um, but regardless of all that, that wasn't what this was all about. Joe grabs a mic and says, Look, I haven't got a dance partner for, for all in despite the fact I'm your TV champion sort of thing. Um, and he lays down the challenge for CM Punk. Um, talks about him going around telling everyone he's in the best of the world, whilst Joe was just out there proving it over the years. Um, acknowledges the loss in the Heart Foundation tournament, says a roll-up isn't good enough for our legacy. One more match, all in, me and you, Punk. Uh, and if you make me wait, I'm going to convince you. Oh, my God. Uh, Terrifying I mean, threat. It's great. We'll get to this more in the main event, I guess, but it's great that CM Punk's plate is full because so much of Collision has to pivot around him. Um, it's also pretty cool that despite ostensibly being a heel in babyface clothing, CM Punk still attracts the ire of the villains on this show. Yeah. And we'll get to some more of that later on as well because a lot of Joe Punk already feels like things we can talk about on next week's Collision Preview. Yeah. Because that's what happens when you do a fantastic job of episodic booking. I'm into this match and it doesn't even exist yet. Same as FTR books, actually. Like, I'm into these matches and yet they've not occurred. And there's an, frankly, like, insultingly fantastic main event set for next week's Collision that's yeah. folding all of these matches come that from? just came out of nowhere. My, uh, my thing is, right, and I don't want to get on the soapbox or anything like that because... Just can't be asked. Okay. I've got to save my energy for what's coming. Yeah. But 
for the idiots out there who look at this and go, <laughs> more rematches at All In, enjoy that, rather than some fun original matches. Mm. Yeah, but you know, sometimes, like, I'd rather see the latest film in the Mission Impossible franchise <laughs> than a new film, because I know, judging on previous efforts, it's probably going to be a good use of my time. Though. Yeah. So, <laughs> FTR Young Bucks again, enjoy that. <laughs> Joe CM Punk again, enjoy that. Will, thanks very much. Yeah, appreciate that. What are you talking about? That extends Idiots. even more. In your example, that extends even more because you'd rather go and see like a Mission Impossible film again at the cinema rather than seeing something else new. It's like, hush, we are, there's Barbie, there's Oppenheimer, there's a third viewing of Mission Impossible. <laughs> I'll go with option C, thank you very much. I don't know what to do tomorrow. It's very up in the air. I'm having a lie in, yep. fingers crossed, or going well, going out for a bit of lunch with Anne Louise, mm-hmm. and then the afternoon is, and I'm not doing the double. I know I'm not doing both. Okay. But I haven't decided on which one it's going to be. Do Barbie, man. Birthday Barbie. But the thing is, with the impending, right? Yeah. I want to see both. Yeah. But if I don't see Barbie in the full cinema experience, will I feel like... Like, I'm going to watch it eventually. Yes. Whereas Oppenheimer feels like... It, my crap telly probably isn't going to handle it as well as a giant IMAX screen or whatever. Oppenheimer's um, three hours around an atomic bomb, isn't it? Mm. Hey, SummerSlam main event. Like, what's the difference? <laughs> the uh, Nothing, nothing. I love you. I really do. I love you and too, I have no mate. shame saying it. Nothing would give me greater pleasure than your beautiful baby arriving tomorrow and stealing your birthday from oh. I just would pop so much. Like... Because listeners can't see this, but very Easy. little rattles Wilborn more than the prospect of one special day being taken up by somebody else or something else. Yeah. And you you would have no say in the matter, would you? No. Like, and Louise's like, my oh, baby's coming. Great, love. Can you get past midnight? I, d- I don't have a choice in this, darling. Can we go to the hospital? Well, we've just bought our tickets for Oppenheimer. <laughs> So do you think you can at least get through it? Well, I might have gotten through Barbie, but you insisted on Oppenheimer. Hamlet told you to go to Barbie. <laughs> Just a series of unfortunate events that leads to the greatest oh moment of your life God. that then takes away every birthday forevermore. <laughs> <laughs> so exciting. High, so terrifying. High stakes birthday, this. So high stakes, right? I'm going to say it now. I'll speak on his behalf. Go on. Because I haven't told you about this yet. We were having a word. I said to line, this is a gift from me and Sage, actually, okay. to you. Tomorrow, whatever you decide to do, right, Barbie or Oppenheimer, chill that morning, whatever, we've said we're going to let Stax off the NXT preview and he's oh. going to come to the cinema with you. Get in! Because he likes you now. Yeah, he, we're, so, we're good pals. I still need to pop the old uh, the old question to him. Re-Godfather status for the, oh, for the little yeah. boy. Indeed. You have to wait till the babies arrive for that, I, I assume. It's good form. Yeah. Like, it just depends if you want to break that question up into part two or part three. That'll blow his mind. I'm so excited to see. I mean, obviously, it won't be on the NXT preview tomorrow, yeah, but, like I say, but on the review, the day off. Yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe. What if we go to the cinema and it says, uh, like, Mission Impossible again for me, <laughs> Barbie Oppenheimer, Godfather Part Three? <laughs> you know, like you, you put on the films for kids in the summer, you say, yeah. like, reshow some of the classics. They're like, one for kids, Godfather Part Three. Have you got you like knocking on V's door? You ever got anything on for stacks? I've got just the things here. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Right, we got a video package uh, surrounding the the big ladder match from last week with Andrade and Buddy Matthews. Um, don't take his mask, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you claimed it very sad. <laughs> <laughs> I've been chatting to Billy Gunn. He's definitely retired. He's not taking his boots back. He thinks that he lost a step and he's cost them the, the t- tag and trios titles. But, you know, they say, well, we kind of wouldn't have won anything without Billy Gunn in our corner and know, encouraging us and what have you. We disagree that he should retire, but we respect his decision. And Bowen's such a weird, <laughs> I love them both, but such a weird thing of like Bowen's saying emotionally, thank you to Billy Gunn. And gonna, they're going to take his boots to the ring as a, as a sign of love and affection to him. And then tearfully saying for one last time through the screen, scissor me daddy ass. Yes. There's a really weird energy about all this, isn't there? Yeah. He's not dead. Right, he's not dead. His career is apparently, but they're playing it up as if he was. I'm going to let this play out because I don't know. It's a, it's cheesy, right? But it feels knowingly so. And Bowen's in particular is absolutely heartbroken by this. Yeah, and I don't know if we're supposed to be drawing some sort of. Max Cass is like, it's all right. Like, it's it's Billy Gunn. I miss him, but it's Billy Gunn. We'll yeah. be fine. Like, so, and they're not totally wrong. Like, part of their rise in AEW was due to the incredible groundswell of support that came for the three of them. But also, the root of all this is that Billy Gunn believes himself to be a weak link, and they have lost big matches. Yeah. And in AEW, that stuff is supposed to matter. So I am kind of curious, like, especially because this is collision, baby. I'm kind of keen to see how this goes. They're going to go on a bit of a winning streak now. Yeah. Uh, And I'm still nervous that House of Black could be short on opponents, and that marks Billy Gunn's successful return is for like one last shot of the trios all in because those matches have kind of been rubbish <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I've seen one of them live I don't, I, like, this yeah. is the opposite of Mission Impossible don't need another no, but, but. I sort of feel like that's where it's going but I kind of like you know like suspicious dog meme where it's just like the very very narrow eyes mm. Mm. I, I, I'll keep an eye on this one weird yeah turn around to Anthony Bones he say why are you crying he says because none of them was you like, what, you? <laughs> he's also looking at, at a picture. All oh, right, of you. <laughs> he's holding a picture of Billy Gunn. You need to see it in the video. Uh, trio's <laughs> match. The house of Nick. This is uh, any three lads knocking about in the back, apparently. Yeah. Action Andre, Darius Martin, and Lee Johnson. Okay. Yeah, all right. 
At least they remember the house rule. This the other oh, team's just forgotten them. The acclaim never use this. No, well, it's the dumbest thing ever. Well, I wonder if every time that they've let's be honest, forgot <laughs> that behind the scenes, it's a bit like the war games uh, tossing another coin that you never see. Yeah, and then it's just like heels one, tough taste. Heels one. <laughs> like, apart from Triple H has got a double headed coin that gives the baby faces sometimes. But I was the acclaim's house rule like house rules are stupid. House rule is don't use. Yeah. Them. Well, house rule is um, we get to do a rap at the beginning. Yeah, you always yeah. get to do that. Like I said it before, house rule should be we have to lie down for four seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like anything after that, fair game. Tiki Bob have, down. You have to lie down for four seconds. What are you going to do then? Ah, that's our little secret. <laughs> but we've got a tactic. We've got a game plan. So it is kind of stupid. And then even this one was it just Julia Hart was banned from ringside. I was like, ban Brody King. Yeah, like ban somebody that like I love Julia Hart. But, like, those three men are going to decimate She's you. not going to be the difference maker in this match. At best, she might take the ref. Yeah. You know? Uh, I Julie Hartband and the lights were back. So, I guess. And, again, house rules, if they can put you at disadvantage, don't you? Don't incorporate them. You're the one that brought them, House of Black. It was, it's such a... We're the champions now, so we're going to give you the best chance to beat us. Wed. It's a real, like, I don't mind the lighting. I think I'm in the minority there as well. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, anyway, I did like the bit where... <laughs> I like the match. I think Honestly, I like the match. Darius just... Martin tried to cross body, just bounced off Brody King. Oh, he's the best. Brody King's the best. Uh, Andretti gets sent into the announce table by, I think, Buddy Matthews to take us to a break. When we come back, uh, Lee Johnson runs wild. Uh, double reverse DDT on uh, Malachi Black and Buddy Matthews. Uh, but they team back up to uh, take him down and Brody King cannonballs into Johnson in the corner. Um, and then they launch him into a King forearm. Uh, Andretti, though, cuts that off with a 450. They all get into it. Dual knees to Andretti from Black and Matthews. King hits the discus lariat. One, two, three. Uh, and as they're celebrating, I almost missed this. As they're celebrating, Ian, Ian Riccoboni goes, um, by the way, next week, CM Punk and FTR. Huh? Next week, CM Punk and FTR fight for the trios titles. Quite an incredible development here. So I love this so much more after that preposterous match was announced because this was, you know, this wasn't a squash. Uh, the challengers or, you know, like they're not, they lose more than they win in AEW, mm-hmm. but they're not these like faceless no marks that are just there to be eaten alive by Brody King, for example. You get this broadly competitive match that then the House of Black win because nobody can touch them. Uh-huh. They are just dominant trios champions in form. You know, they lost Andrade's mask, but as a trio, they cannot be touched. Even when they set themselves up to fail with house rules, they still can't be beat. They're just this dominant, dangerous group that you are to fear at all costs. As you, like, sort of ruminate on that, you're presented with the three biggest stars and top baby faces as their next rivals. And it's just one of them. It's a Tony Khan graphic drop while the show's taking place. Yeah. <laughs> like your head explodes. Boom, let's go ignite. My head exploded in a flash of light. <laughs> like on Saturday night, it's all right for this fight. Hey. I just cannot believe this match is happening. I cannot wait to preview it in light of the two all-in matches that were proposed mm-hmm. featuring the three men yeah. on the babyface side and the fact that it's for the trios titles and all the implications that might have going into uh, Wembley. And it's kind of what? Like, is it Collision's biggest match currently? 
If you if you imagine this is a soft roster split and Kenny Omega just can't jump over and fight CM Punk. Oh, is it is not this, including like MJF and Cole when they fought? There's in pure collision. Yeah. Colliders. Colliders. Is this the biggest Could colliders be. derby? Yeah. I think it is. Like, yeah. It's, it's massive. It's absolutely massive. And if uh, CM Punk, Dax, and Cash get their heads together and say, if your name begins with a B, you have to be um, 10 metres away from the ring. Sweet three-on-one beat up of Malachi Black. That's easy. It looks like they're all winning belts, doesn't it? Oh, my God, they'd have six belts then. Because Punk's got his real world title. Yes. Imagine all the belt clanging they could all do together. The true belt collectors. The, the three-man power trip. The belt collectors. Oh, my God, Wilborn. Belt collector. Collectors. They can have that chant, which we just invented. Tony Schiavone. Right, okay. You know I said uh, sometimes you have to eat your vegetables and then you can have your steak. So that's the steak that's been promised for next week. Yeah. Uh, and next I to eat <laughs> Uh, because <laughs> apparently QTV's courting of powerhouse Hobbs has to continue. <laughs> right. Catch me up. Well, I don't know what there is to catch you up on. They split. Yeah. He beat him up. That's the last thing I remember. And then he, he seemed to QT. He was just like, well, that was that didn't go too well. But uh, we'll just pick up where we left off. I don't know if stuff's gone on in Rampage or I've forgotten some stuff. But basically, I was like, oh. Well, at least all the powerhouse Hobbs QTV stuff's finished. And then it's sort of slowly... I think there might have been something on either Dynamite or Collision a few weeks back where I was like, but it was over. You beat him up after the Owen Hart tournament thing, right? But instead, now he's offering him a chain and a marquee match at All In Chicago. Uh, Sorry, All Out in Chicago, Mm -hmm. sorry. And he says, I don't want your help, but I'll take the chain. And then that was it. So he's going to take the chain and he's going to take the match, one would assume, which it's a bit of a raw deal because it probably means you're writing yourself out of all in, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm saying that there's a divide, but it just feels like, well, surely if you could get him a real marquee match, you'd get him one at all in. Yes. In storyline too. Yeah. And you can't, so all out it is. Is the chain going to be used by Powerhouse Hobbs as a new gimmick, like the old John Cena chain-wrapped fist to validate QTV, or is it this prop that will have QT Marshall turn on Powerhouse Hobbs? Will QT Marshall say, I've got you this big match against, insert whoever, we'll, we'll time to play the game near the time, <laughs> and then the chain will be there at ringside, and then QT will, in fact, arm the new person with the thing, and they'll beat Hobbs, and that's how QT... electric chain, and it... <laughs> Electric chain on the ramp, and, and that's how it's revealed that they're not caught in oh, powerhouse Hobbs. Care. I don't care. I know. I'm just saying, like, is this powerhouse Hobbs baby face turn? But it better be because this is crap. A better way would have just been him beating them all up forever and ever and every week. Yeah, a better way would have been if you're gonna have him beat. Was it Wardlow he bought for the beat for the TNT title? Yeah. Just have him beat him. Yeah, just don't have QT Marshall involved in this storyline whatsoever. Feels like a mess. QTV, the only tri-branded uh, act in all of AEW, other than the acclaimed, maybe. <laughs> similar merch sales, I'm sure. I mean, granted, Dominic Mysterio main evented every show in a week, but at least he's he gets some sort of reaction, yeah. Yeah. Uh, aye. No, no defending this whatsoever. Miro beat up Aaron Solo. Yeah. So he's now folded into this kind of as well, sideways. So what are they going to do? Miro versus... Miro and, uh, like, but then he's feuding with them. So what, Miro and Hobbs as a... Actually, that rules a kick-ass oh, yeah. tag team. I'm into that. 
What about uh, get, sod trios? Get four person tag teams. Have big Bill, Brian <laughs> Cage, Miro, and Bauhaus Hobbs All and in jeans. versus. You remember when they did that thing where it was like Cena and Orton versus the entire roster? Yeah. So I was like, that doesn't make the rest of your roster seem pretty good. Oh God, them four versus like the Hardys and the Young Bucks or something. They just ruined the Dynamite match on Wednesday and revealed themselves that they're a new quartet and they're going for the AW quartet titles. The quartet titles. Yes. Um, but speaking of uh, deadbeat dads, uh, <laughs> Dominic Mysterio. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Christian Cage is there. Yeah. TNT champion Luchasaurus and Christian Cage. Mm-hmm. I never get. How did they used to do it with uh, with same people's? Was it Co- Cody and Bra- Brandy and Cody Rhodes? No, it was Cody and Brandy Rhodes. That was yeah. It. That, the, that because was it. they would WWE wouldn't let Cody be Cody Rhodes, but they couldn't change Brandy Rhodes. So yeah. yeah. So it's TNT champion Luchasaurus and Christian Cage. <laughs> They're there. Um, but uh, Christian Cage has a small child with him, which he introduces his daughter. And he says, I brought her along to prove I'm a role model for children. <laughs> like Darby Allen and his snot nosed protege, Nick Wayne. Oh my God. First of all. And then as he's trying to cut this promo, she's tugging at his lovely little girl's tug, mm. tugging at his sleeve. She's like, Daddy. Can I hold the TNT title? He just stares down at her and goes, Did you win it? <laughs> no. <laughs> we don't get to touch it then. Piss off. Go and find your mother. And then as she leaves, he goes, Security, kick her out. She's not got credentials. <laughs> he betrays his own daughter in a backstage promo, and I love him even more for it. Uh, and for what, by the way? She yeah. left. She was going to find her mother. It's like Bret Hart's kids in wrestling channel go and bother the headbangers or something, and they do. Like, he's got what he needed so he can go and have his meeting with Vince. Christian has got what he needed. He can finish his promo time talking <laughs> about being the champ, and yet he gets a booted out all the same. He, he doesn't back down, he doubles down. Yeah. And that's why we love Christian Cage. This is brilliant. I also love this um, pattern that is emerging, and what a great gift this is. So Christian Cage, there's this, almost like a meme, isn't it? They use the Vince McMahon running out of the room. Somebody said the dad was dead, right? So we've just... We've just brought Christian Cage into Nick Wayne's orbit. And we know what he's going to say soon, don't we? <laughs> it's brilliant, right? But also, things that make you a bastard in AEW, right? Number one, used to be, olden days, praising WWE. Yeah. Praising sports entertainment. Chris Jericho and Vince Hall stay around it. Old news, rubbish now, rubbish. The thing to do to be a bastard in AEW is to basically go for Nick Wayne. You're the worst. If you like, what is your problem? Yeah. If you like, what's he done to you? Nothing. He's he's like a boy with a dream, basically. And Swerve and AR Fox and Christian, like, I fucking hate that. Like, <laughs> how dare that boy have a dream? Let's crush it. Like that just makes you the dirt worst. And what a device and a gift that's going to be for so many heels as Nick Wayne like works his way through the ranks. It's great stuff. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Uh, and then it was time for Jay White versus Metalik uh, with the guns on commentary. <laughs> Screaming, they got Jay White's <laughs> shirt thrown at them. They're like, oh my God, it smells amazing. Yeah. Uh, they were just shutting down Rick and Bonnie at all times. Nigel McGuinness was having the time of his <laughs> life with them. Uh, Metalik uh, did come back at one point. He, uh, he hit a rope walk Hurricane Rana after White had caught him on a springboard and dropped him with a DDT. But in the end, White dodged a moonsault, snap suplex, blade runner, one, two, three. Straightforward victory for Jay White. A straightforward victory and a straightforward match, but it can't go understated how effective this was. It presented the Bing Bing Ging as trouble. Like, you've got Juice uh, patrolling ringside. He's screaming with, in Metalik's face. Yeah. Doing guns up with the cardboard, Jay White doing the bing bing. <laughs> with the guns on commentary, you've basically got blanket coverage of this group with the leader, like, 
not easily winning, but dominating yeah. in ring. A very, very impressive presentation. I'm so curious as to, because I believe they've got somebody in mind, but I'm so curious as to the next big angle for these. Somebody's going to have to step to these because they're, they're trouble, and I'm looking forward to seeing who that is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really excited to see what happens next with this. Uh, and what happens next for the women's title is Hikaru Shida defends it against Anna Jay on Dynamite this week. We'll preview that on the Dynamite preview, of course, a little bit later on. Nice promo on this, though. Mm. And yes, uh, next week, Mercedes Martinez and Diamante versus Willow Nightingale and Chris Statlander. And oh, yeah, the trios match, House of Black versus CM Punk and FTR. Speaking of which, main event time, CM Punk versus Ricky Starks with the special outside official being Ricky Steamboat for the... Real world title. First of all, just lovely to see Jim Ross back on commentary for this match. Wasn't it just? And he kicked ass. Yeah. He was in the mood. Like, we talked about this before. It is less than ideal that your, for a long time, lead commentator clearly likes some stuff more than others. <laughs> yeah. That's fair to say. And I think his enthusiasm and his interest levels at times could be distracting in how different they were. You know what he loves? Real goddamn professional wrestling. And CM Punk's one of the realists. Yeah. And you could just feel the passion and the drive and the energy from a guy that gets what he is watching, yes. gets what he is calling, and knows how to tell the story because that's what you're supposed to be able to do with the best ones. And the lovely moment between him and Ricky Steamboat having a nice hug before the match. Really started. nice. Like, I was unsure when he came back. Like, obviously, you know, we say this about the wrestlers. I'm not going to tell somebody how to control their own body and all no, that no, sort no. of stuff. But I didn't want Jim Ross in his advancing years, to come back any sooner than was ready. Yes. He sounded more and more ready the more the match went on. Exactly. He was like, he came out on 50% and he plugged himself into a Jim Ross charger, <laughs> shaped like CM Punk, and was at 100 by the end. Uh, so Punk early on drops Starks with his shoulder block and does his pose to a nice reaction. God. Oh, sorry, something I forgot to mention from the opener. Tweet. Picture of Big Bill. No, videos now, GIFs. Big Bill dancing, greater than. Daniel Garcia dancing. There, Ooh. I said it. I popped daft for that man doing his dance. Yeah, I forgot when he was really that. enjoying his work. Yeah, you can get fooled, but he's not just a lollipop. Big Bill. Oh, no. He's a turbo pop. So Starks hits an arm drag and does his pose back. Yeah. Better. Better. Obviously. Punk goes for the go to sleep. Starks fights out, though, and uh, takes him to the floor with the cutter with a clothesline as we go to commercial. When we come back, Starks <laughs> slaps CM Punk and bails <laughs> to the floor. Punk follows him, he's pissed off, sends him over the barricade, starts beating him up. Steamboat literally has to pull CM Punk off of him to calm things down at one point. That allows Starks to uh, take back over control when they get back in. Uh, he hits a top rope chop and then just looks at Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> uh, he uh, sends Punk into the turnbuckle. Uh but a third time when he tries that, Punk hits a reverse crossbody for a great near fall. Punk goes for a sunset flip, but Starks hold onto the ropes. Steamboat obviously notices this, forces him to let go of the ropes and drop an elbow instead on uh, CM Punk for a near fall. <laughs> we come back from another commercial. They're fighting on the top rope. Punk hits a superplex on Starks. Um, he hits a series of punches. Leg lariat, neck breaker, rising knee, bulldog, two count. He goes up top for an elbow. Starks gets up, though, and they crash into each other. Um, Punk goes for another rising knee, because he's and he's pulled down the, uh, the knee pad and what have you. But Starks has spent enough time to recover in the corner. Catches him, power bombs him. Um, goes to hit old school, walk along the top rope on Punk, but Punk pulls him into GTS attempt. Uh, Starks fights out and sends Punk again into the ring post. <coughs> Punk avoids a spear. Starks hits the turnbuckle. 
Punk hits a high kick for a two count. Goes for a pile driver. Starks reverses it into an Alabama slam for a near four. Oh, my God. The referee at this point gets bumped to the floor. So Starks tries to get a pin with his feet on the ropes. And Steamboat's gone from checking the ref on the outside to be like, what is this bollocks? Mm -hmm. Knocks his feet off the ropes. Punk rolls up Starks in the uh, confusion. Steamboat slides in. One, two, three. CM Punk is the real world champion. Post-match, Stark's furious. He pushes Steamboat. Steamboat hits Punk, who's leaving. He's on the apron with the title. Uh, and he Stark leaps all over Ricky Steamboat, grabs his belt, whips him with it. Punk has to chase <sighs> him off guess. with a chair. Stark's even teases coming back at one point, and Punk has to chase him off with a chair again. Uh, and Punk and uh, the ringside doctors are checking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as the show goes off the air. I'll do the negatives before I get to the positives. Uh, this was... Pretty sloppy in places. Yeah. Um, I didn't... I think it was the elbow body press clash. Uh, I didn't feel like any of that was, like, appearing as planned, Yeah, we say. But, you know, it's the punker. He never repeats stuff if it doesn't work out. It never it never sort of feels... Goes on to feel any faker than it does other yeah. than the moment where the botch takes place. And I'm never going to penalise a match for botches if I can avoid it, especially when it doesn't impact the story. So there's a couple of times now where I feel like their physical chemistry hasn't been inch perfect. Mm -hmm. But I don't care. No. Because wrestling's not just about that. And often it's not about that at all. Mm. And if you don't believe me, um, A, watch this match with the sound off, because you'll just see a clear baby face and a clear heel wrestling against one another. And the obvious story of this pillar of goodness in Ricky Steamboat trying to uphold the rules as best as he can from his position on the floor... And then when you finish watching it with the sound off, watch it with the sound back on and just be wowed all over again at the furnace that this building was the entire <laughs> yeah. time. Absolutely white-hot atmosphere, as it always is for these CM Punk matches, by the way. Because I know that he is continuing to be this baby face, that there is a horrible heel lurking underneath. Yeah. And fans know this and are now choosing whether or not they want to support him or not. And it doesn't remotely affect the disposition of the match and the, no. indeed the disposition of the men. There was a clear bad guy and a clear good guy here. Uh, and Punk was able to babyface himself, if not to the fans in the building, to Ricky Steamboat. And I love that how he's like kept saying uh, Ricky Starks is a cheater. Like he as if as if like sort of he's this paragon of virtue. Mm. Like I don't I don't like wrestling cheaters. Eventually he's gonna start cheating. Yeah. It's gonna be good. But right now he's trying as hard as he possibly can to just just stay on the stay on the right track. Uh, Ricky Starks annoying him more and more and more through the match, and in doing so, is able to release the character that we always preferred in absolute Ricky Starks that was able to finally be fully fleshed out once again when he was, oh my God, whipping Ricky Steamboat with a belt. How did we get here, right? I'll tell you we got here. Incredible booking because Collision kicks ass. Like, mm. a goated run. I've tweeted this already. Ricky Starks started life on Collision in a pretty bad oh, feud dead in the water. With, with Juice and Jay White that we were very critical of. And then he becomes sidekick to FTR and CM Punk, who are like willing to pick him up by the bootstraps because things are going terribly, and they've kind of fallen afoul of Bullet Club as well. All of a sudden, he's back in the mix. He wins the tournament through cheating, and it's like, you know what? He was a desperate man, so it was time to do a desperate thing, and he's done that desperate thing. And I said this at the time, the moment he showed the barge, Jushin uh, Liger on the stage, I was like, I get it. Yeah, I love there this. He is. I get where he's going. Starks is coming back. The comeback trail is on. And then, then what happens? Then you get the pyro. Then you get the uh, awkward 
I want the belt, actually. I'm the best. Yeah. And then you get this, where he thinks, cheating's worked the last couple of times. Why should I not cheat again? Well, because Ricky Steamboat is not going to afford that. Didn't love, again, going back to their sloppiness physically, didn't love the finish. Like, he was in that stacked roll-up for longer yeah. than was ideal. Yeah. Right? I wish they'd kind of come up with something that would have been a more convincing down for the count, because Steamboat's got to slide in. He's a bit older. It takes a little bit longer. Get him, have him slide into there and go, what the bloody hell are you doing? Kick his hands. And yeah. as he kicks his hands and realises he's going into a... Then he's already down. He just has to drop down to his knees. Punk captures him or something. Yeah. Didn't love that. Um, because as well, they kind of botched... They didn't botch it. They got it just in time. But you know the rope they were in the Owen? It got very close to like Ricky not grabbing for the ropes. There's still a little bit like some physical kinks to work out. But Christ, I want to see the third match. And Ricky Starks is back. You cannot tell me this is not a successful program for everybody involved. Is there any chance? You can say no if you don't believe it is ever going to happen. You get Starks versus Steamboat Battle of the Rickies. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. I'm not suggesting that he should do it if he's not physically capable. But... Steamboat was just enchanting, again, in every aspect here. The bit when he's, like, a little bit cross with Punk early on. Yeah. He, he's not about people. He's about rules and fairness. But was it when... Um, what was it early on? When, uh, was it Starks did the arm drag to Punk? And he's like doing a, uh, uh, arm drag like that, Punker, like that. He just loves, he loves, he loves the business of it all. Yeah. He loves the rules. He loves competition. And I just, it was so great having him there. I hope that there is some sort of like more Starks dragon comeback down mm. the road. Tell you what else I, I hope. Did you notice that Starks walked away with the belt around his neck? Ricky Steamboat's belt. I didn't see that. He, he took the belt with him. Ah. And I wonder if he's going to say, like, I wonder if he's going to keep that a bit as part of his thing. And that's going to be his little, like, personalized weapon of choice. And it's like, punk. That I've belt, got a belt that means nothing as well. That belt you've got means no more than what <laughs> I've got. <laughs> in fact, it. In fact, this one means more because it's around the waist of an actual champion, unlike yours. And, like, we get one more match off the back of it. Wow. And, like, punk is going to get lashed with the belt because who else lashes people with a belt? MJF. Oh. Law, 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 all that sort of good stuff. I think this is like rehabbed Ricky Star. I think I think he's back. Yeah. CM Punk said Collision is going to be a show where people are going to sink or swim, but they're going to be given the opportunity to do yes. so. Ricky Starks has been given the opportunity to do so, and he has swum. There is a man motivated again. There is a man rehabbed again. I want to watch the third one, but I'm not going to get a chance. Why? Because I've got a goddamn dream match next week in the House of Black and CMFTR, yeah. which is leading up to two separate dream matches at all. Oh. Good booking. Really good stuff. Let us know your thoughts on AW Collision on X on uh, <laughs> at what culture WWE. How I say you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at. We're basically saying Elon just joined the house. Yeah, yeah. Like, because X is black instead of blue. Dark Twitter. Oh, we already had dark Twitter. It's just nicer than the white screen, isn't it? I'm at Michael Hamlet, and I'll never be on Threads. No. Uh, you can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Our SummerSlam review is available right now, and me and Hamlet will be back a little bit later on today to preview Madden Arrow. <laughs> uh, but for now, this has been the Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.